0: got a Bible, go to Luke 10. And as you're going there, um, I want to pray for Ukraine real quick. Can we do that? Let's just agree. God, We, you bring perfect peace, God. And um, we just pray over the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we pray, God, for the thousands and thousands of men that are fighting and women that are fighting, Um, and we ask God for peace, God, like only you can bring. We ask God that every evil thing would be, would kneel, and every righteous thing would be exalted. Um, We're asking God for there to be a quick conclusion to this whole thing. We're asking for the protection of life. We ask God that every, every, every plan of the enemy would be defeated in Jesus' name, And we ask for your hand over this whole thing. God, we ask that your kingdom will be extended. We ask that lives would be spared. We ask that people would turn to you and say, you are my Lord, you are my God, I give my life to you. We pray over Russia today. God, that you would move mightily in Russia. Transform that nation to be a nation that seeks Jesus first. And we pray over Ukraine, the same thing. God, let this be a catalyst for transformation in both of these nations. Unto your glory, we pray. Everyone said... Amen. Uh, My dad, right now, um, he spoke nine hours ago in Poland. He was, I can't even pronounce the name of it, um, but he was in Poland and he said that several of the men in that church were leaving to actually go fight in Ukraine. So they were, they're from Ukraine. They had immigrated to Poland and they were like, we're going back, we're going to fight. So uh, can you imagine you go to church and then I like, I get up like, hey, who's leaving tomorrow to go to Ukraine to go fight? I mean, that's just so not our world. We're not in that space. So um, let's be praying that God has his way in that space and that it ends, you know? Amen? So if you got a Bible, go to Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. The title of the message this morning is, um, What will you do when Jesus comes to your house? What would you do if Jesus came to your house? I'll read this passage and then we'll, we'll jump in. Now, as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? My sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious, you're troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken from her? What will you do when Jesus comes to your house? Uh, God, I ask for grace today, God, to share your word, and I pray that what you want us to hear would be heard. Um, we say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. May, may we grow more and more to know you, to walk with you. Uh, I just pray that with all my heart, God, today. Um, may each one of us leave a little more attuned to your heart. Uh, I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I love, one thing I love about this passage is that, that now when they were on their way, Jesus entered a village. Here's Jesus speaking to millions, like thousands and thousands of people all over the countryside. Um, thousands of people are gathering to him. He, he even has difficulty getting alone because there's all, there's so many crowds of people as he's healing and transformation, all this stuff. And Jesus goes to a little village. Jesus leaves Jerusalem and he goes to this little town and he goes to his friend's house, Martha. He goes to Mar- Martha's house. And, and I, I think it's pretty amazing that this celebrity, Jesus, he wanted to be with his friends. He wanted to be, he was close to Mary and Martha. He knew them, their, friend, their brother Lazarus. And Jesus was on his way. Now you think about this. Jesus is coming to your house. Um, and he's looking for a place to rest and you're Martha now what do you do if Jesus is coming to your house now some of you if someone's coming to your house you, you do this you take all the junk that's out in your living room and you go to your back room and you shove it in the back room and you close the door right or some of you are going to stay up till you know all hours of the night cleaning the house disinfecting anything, going with the white glove going all along you're going to make your house immaculate um, what would you do? Some people, you'd be like, hey, come on in, I'll order a pizza. Just move over the trash right there, sit down, make yourself comfortable. Some of you would say, he's not coming to my house. And and I was, I, was, I was thinking about this, and I realized that in our culture and in our day, there's actually a lot of anxiety about people coming over to your house. You're afraid or you're nervous. Sometimes we're nervous about what people will see. Is it gonna be clean enough? Is this good enough for you? Um. Do I look, do I not look good enough? Because when someone comes into your house, they get to see you for you. They get to see all that you are. They get to see the big stack of laundry over there with the, 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 dirty, the dirty underwear on the floor and the, you, you know, whatever. They get to see your house and how put together or not put together you are. And I think there's a space of having someone come out of your house is probably one of the most vulnerable things you can do. It's opening yourself up and saying, here's me. Hope you like it. And here comes Jesus, and Martha is like, I'm going to get my house ready. So she cleans everything. She gets everything in order, and Jesus comes, and Martha welcomed him into his house. And I I was processing this thought, and I think, you know, you guys, I believe that God has a calling for each one of us, and that calling is the calling of hospitality, you are meant to welcome him and welcome others into your home. Now, you might be like, I don't think they want to come to my house. It's not that nice. You know, it's not that comfortable. I, I think there's something about, and you think about it, a good friend that you trust, a friend that you feel comfortable with, you probably don't have an issue with them coming over to your house. Why? Because you know that they care for you. You know that they love you. They, you know that you can be you, and it's okay. And so when they come on over, you're like, I'm just so glad you're here. There's two pieces to hospitality. One, hospitality brings honor. When someone comes over to your house, and you get it ready, and you make them food, or you buy Chinese takeout, or you... You know, you clean up the house, get it all ready. You are saying to that person, you are worthy, like you are worthy of honor. You're worthy here. I I value you coming to my house. The flip side of hospitality is that hospitality brings vulnerability. You get to see me, who I am, what I have, what I don't have. And there's so much heart stuff that happens in the space of, should someone get to come over to my house? When they come to your house, they see what you have, they see what you don't have. They see if your house is messy or organized. They see if you know how to cook or if you don't. We open ourselves up to being judged. At least that's the fear. And we just kind of hope we pass the test. We come honesty. We come ready to, to receive. And, and here's Martha, and she receives Jesus. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Here is the sinless one, the perfect one, the one who heals everyone. And she's like, Jesus, you're welcome. Come into my house. I remember this one time I was, I was gonna, I met this guy named Pat Schatzline He was this traveling evangelist. And the guy spoke, God spoke to this guy all the time. It was very clear. And he had this like, ever met someone like this? They had like a fi- he had like a fiery gaze. And I felt like whenever I talked to this guy, he was seeing right through me. Anybody had anybody like that? Where you're like, he sees me. Oh crud, everything I did wrong, like yesterday, he probably sees it. And I'm I'm meeting this guy, and it feels it feels really vulnerable. And the question you have when someone sees you for you is. Am I going to be accepted or am I going to be rejected? Am I, am I good enough here? Am I going to pass the test? And Martha gets everything ready and she's like, You're welcome, Jesus. Come on in. And Jesus' response, I love what basically Jesus does. He's like, Martha, it's good to be here. And that's God's mentality with each one of us in our lives. He, as we open up our hearts to him, he's like, it's good to be here. I, I want to be here. I'm glad that you invited me in. And we're hoping that it's a good place for him to be. I heard a, I heard a story a while ago about a pastor that um, he loved to visit his people and he would go f- travel, go to all the houses and stuff. And he, he would go to different houses of his, in his congregation. And as he would go in, they found that their pastor would come. He would stay for like 20 minutes, talk to everybody and he would do this. He would look around, and then he would look kindly at the host and say, it's so good. I, I gotta go. See you later. And he would leave. And this happened for, like, years. And they were like, why does he never stay? He, he, like, sticks around for, like, 20 minutes, and he leaves. And one of the ladies in the church went up to him one day and said, you know, excuse me, pastor, like, I don't mean to be rude, but it seems like you, you never really stick around. You, you hang out. I know you care about us, but you you never leave, and you, know, you always leave. And, and so, He's like, well, can I, I tell you something? It's, it's kind of embarrassing, but he said, I have this weird disease, and this disease is, and he's like, you know, you know I'm kind of a little overweight, and, and whenever I go into a house, I, I look around, and I'm trying to see if there's a chair that can carry my weight. And so he's like, and I feel embarrassed, and I, I stay for a bit, and then, I, and then I leave. And I heard that story. It struck me because I do know that God comes to our lives, He's so happy to be there he's so happy to come into our house he walks into our life he looks around and he's like, "Is this a place that I can rest I'm really happy to be here I want to stay in Jeremy's life I want to stay here I want, I want them to I want a relationship here I want to receive their hospitality but is there is there a seat in your heart that God can rest in Is there a spot that in my attention, in my energy, that, that, that he can say, wow, like, it's a restful space for me. And this is what that looks like. It looks like my mind and my heart that I'm bringing it to a place of, I want my thoughts to be pleasing to God. I want my heart and my emotions to be surrendered to him. I want, I want the activities and the things I do to be things that please him. Now, God's really happy to come into my house, regardless of the condition of the house. He wants to come, but he walks in and he's like, is there a spot for me? Is there a spot that I can rest here? Or will he say, I I wish I could stay, but I need you to give me a space that I can rest. Hospitality brings honor. Hospitality brings vulnerability. What would you do if Jesus came to your house? Hide the things in the guest room? Jesus, don't go in there. Two, I'm going to make it perfect. Perfect. I'm gonna impress him. He's not even gonna find any dust in his house. Three, uh, Jesus, why don't you come back later? Like, give me like three hours, I'll be good then. Four, you know what? Just come on in, move over the laundry, I'll order a pizza. In hospitality, we set the table, we prepare the house, we dress up, we show worth to that person. In hospitality, they get to see us for who we are our best, our worst. Martha welcomed Jesus in. Good job, Martha. Good job. Way to invite him in. Verse 39 says this, though. And Martha had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. You know, I I feel like in this passage, I've heard it a bunch of times, and Martha always gets beat up. For, for working hard and whatever. But the cool thing about Martha is that she got her life, she got her house ready. And that is such a lesson for all of us is that there is a preparation for what God wants to do to meet with us, to work in us, and we need to get ready. Now, I would say this though, when he does come, all of the preparation and all of the work and all of our attempts to Orient our life towards God. It all needs to stop. Because the point is not the hospitality. The point isn't to look pretty enough, good enough, smart enough, strong enough before God. All of our activity, the purpose of it, is simply to make a space that we can be in relationship with God and with people. That's the point of hospitality. If you... Jesus Jesus is sitting there sharing his heart with Mary, giving her all this great stuff. Martha is still working hard. And Jesus is like, Martha, the whole point of why I came here was not so I can eat your sandwiches. I came here so you and I could talk. And we can get so busy working for God that he's like, I don't really need you to work for me. I want to be in relationship with you. I want you to actually know me. And so, yes, get your heart ready. Yes, orient your life around God. Yes, like, let's have our thoughts and our mind pleasing. But there's moments where God breaks in and he comes in spaces of worship and prayer and reading the word and and times where you're just, he's speaking to you. And he's like, look, you don't need to do anything right now. All you need to do is hang out with me, listen to me, spend time with me hospitality sets the stage for relationship. Like I said, Jesus came to her house not to eat a sandwich, but to spend time with her. Mary sat at her feet, at his feet. I like the fact that Mary didn't have another plan except for to be there. She simply wanted to sit at his feet. This sitting at his feet, the whole context, what they're saying is that's what people would do when they'd have a rabbi. They would have a teacher, and they would come and they would to sit at someone's feet is to say, You are my teacher, I'm listening to you, I will receive what you have to say. So Mary's whole agenda was, okay, I'm gonna sit at your feet, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna receive what you have for me. And I learned something a while ago. I Anybody ever experience burnout in your life? You're working so hard, and next thing you know, you're like, I just, I don't want to. I, you, you have things that you used to love to do, and you're like, I don't really care about it anymore. Like, your, your emotional bank is like negative 45, and you're like, I really should care about people, but all they want to do is just sit on the couch and eat popcorn. Burnout happens when my public serving and my public ministry... Is bigger than my private space with God. When I don't have a space to sit at God's feet and hear His voice, I start coming into a deficit. And it's like having bills in your bank, bills that you go to your bank account that are larger than what you're depositing. And slowly but surely, you start running out of gas, running out of steam, you start losing. Martin Luther said this interesting quote. He said, I'm so busy, I have to pray four hours a day. What? I'm so busy, I have to pray four hours a day. Yonggi Cho, the guy of the church, the largest, he has the largest church in the world. He died last year. Over a million people in his church. He prayed something like six hours a day. How the heck does a guy pray for six hours a day with like over a million people he's stewarding? And his answer was, how can I not? Because the reality is, the more you have to do, the more stewardship in your life, the more responsibility that you have, the more you need God's wisdom, the more you need his strength, the more you need his help. The question, I think it is, is that each, if each one of us would say, okay, 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 I'm going to take time to spend time with God. I'm going to make a daily pursuit of him. Do you believe that God will speak to you? Do you believe that God will pour his life into you? And if we're honest, sometimes we're like, I hope so. But this is the thing that Mary had that she knew. She knew sitting at Jesus' feet was the most important, strategic, most infilling, joy-filled space. That is going to be the space that is going to give her everything she needs. Anybody need wisdom? Sit at his feet. Anybody here need healing? Sit at his feet. Anybody here um, struggling in a situation that you don't know what to do, sit at his feet. Hear what he has to say. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to the Lord and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Man this this really struck me when I read this, this this week. God? They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I'm all alone working hard for you with no backup. God, what's the deal? Why am I left alone? Why why don't I have help and she's going to go have her sweet Jesus time and listen to listen to have her worship music on and I could use some help right now. I I think offense is a really subtle thing. When you have a friend or you have a person and you're like really hoping for help, right? You ever been there where you're like, man, I could really use that backup? And then you find yourself feeling like you're alone. You don't feel like you're backed up. You don't feel like you have the support you need. It can be a subtle thing, but I think this is often what happens in our heart is okay, fine, they're not gonna do the right thing, but I will. And instead of talking to them or working it out, we we kind of our heart shifts and we put up a little tiny wall and we start moving this way and isolating ourselves and going, you know what, I'm gonna do the right thing anyway, even if they won't, I'm just gonna keep going. And a fence starts growing in my heart. Distance towards me and them grows, and also distance here grows. And we come to God, and suddenly, suddenly, Martha, very subtly, is accusing God and accusing Mary. Why? She's doing what she's supposed to do, but they're not. When she was overwhelmed, I find this is the three things that often happen. One, I think this is Bonhoeffer that said this. We start blaming ourselves. I I should be able to figure this out. I'm strong enough. I got this. I just need to work harder in that, in that thing. I just, I'm just going to work harder. And the result of that is shame. I'm, I'm not doing it enough. I'm not persevering enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not a good enough parent. I'm not enough this. I'm a bad student. I'm a whatever. We start, we put the pressure on ourselves and it doesn't work. And then the next layer is, why aren't other people doing what's right? Why don't they care? And that grows into a space of Resentment accusation, offense, and then from there, it lastly ends up with, God, you're not just. Why don't you care? When all along, Martha, who by the way, I bet, I bet wasn't just anxious and distracted because of the, the party and the hosting, she probably had other stuff going on in her life too, If she would have just said, you know what? I got a billion things rattling in my brain. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to hear what Jesus has to say. And if she would have sat, I wonder if she would have heard exactly what she needed to hear. And the offense and the frustration and all of the unanswered questions where she didn't know what to do. Jesus is saying, Martha, hey, Martha, stop. Look at me. I have an answer. And I I actually think that's for somebody here today. Hey, stop. Stop working hard. Stop blaming others. Stop blaming God. Just stop. He has something he wants to say to you. He has an answer. He has joy for your heart. He has transformation in the space. And all of that's going to come from the space of, God, today I open my Bible. I read your word. I write down what you say. I spend time seeking your face. God, would you talk to me? I don't know what to do with this, 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 this. You know, I I got a confession to make. So this Saturday or Friday, my wife and I have our our Sabbath day on Fridays, and what we try to do that day is make about three things. Rest, play, and worship. We're going to worship God, put him first. We're going to sleep. We're going to play and probably eat some really tasty food. That's our agenda for that day. And so what we did this Saturday is we took two pieces of paper, and on one piece of paper we put the word processing, and another word we put the word thankful, and we wrote down, we're like, okay, we're going to spend some time worshiping God, and then we're going to write down all the things that we're processing. So we're just writing it down. And then we took our word of thankful, and we started writing. And you know what happens, I think, when we first start doing this? That processing list is like 19 pages long. I'm wondering about this and wondering about this and wondering about this and I don't know about this and da 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 da. And then we go to the thankful page and we're like, I'm thankful I have health. And then we go back here and we're like, and I'm processing this and I'm processing this and I'm processing this. And I ate today. And we keep going and, and we go because our brains are so filled with all the things that we don't understand and don't see and we're struggling with. And yet I think that as we spend more time At his feet, the processing list gets shorter and the thankful list gets longer. And I think this is what God wants to do in each one of our hearts. Verse 41, the Lord answered Martha, 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 you're anxious, you're troubled about many things. Just come and sit at my feet. Verse 42, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen this one good thing, this good portion. And it's not going to be taken from her. What's that, one ne- what's that one thing? Sit and listen to him. If you heard God speak to you today, it would change everything. You know, I don't always hear God speak when I go seek him, but when I do, it changes everything. Don't you think that it's worth the day in and the day out grappling with it and sometimes you're sleepy and you're cranky and you don't know what to say, but you come to God again and again and say, God, here I am today. I'm gonna sit at your feet. I think we're guilty of this in the church too, where people have all sorts of problems and us as preachers try to to answer everybody's problems. And the, the, the truth is we don't have the answers. We know the one that has the answers. In your marriage, in your parenting, in your work, in your life, there is one that has answers for you and satisfaction for you and a heart to orient around him that if we would sit at his feet, he would speak, he would heal, he would move. But we're so anxious and running with many things and wondering what people think and God thinks and life thinks and we're trying so hard to make something and God's like, just stop it with the sandwiches. (laughs) They're tasty, but I don't need one. You need me. Sit with me. Martha did a really beautiful job in preparing her home. She honored God with her best, her time, her money, her energy. She opened herself up in vulnerability. Here you go, God, you can see me for who I am. But Mary, she leaned in to listen. She could learn some things from Martha. Because if it wasn't for Martha, I don't know if Jesus stops by. But if it isn't for Mary, Martha misses the whole moment. People say we need to fix our marriages and our families. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. People say we need unity. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. People say we need to fight back to reclaim culture. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. People say that we need to make the church more relevant. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. People say that we need to deal with the injustice that's all around us. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. People say we need to reach the world. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. You need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. I need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. What would happen if we would sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word? We need to put shackles on our anxieties and our stresses. Put in chains the roar of culture and all the responsibilities. And say, stop, I'm not moving until he speaks. For when you speak, God, everything changes. Martha, Martha, you are anxious, you are troubled about many things. But this one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the greater she sat at his feet. John 4:14. 4, There's this lady known as the woman at the well. Read it this morning in my devotions, actually. Jesus goes to her in verse 7 and says, Give me a drink of water. This woman says, why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater, greater than our father Jacob? Ding, ding, ding. He gave us this well and drank it from it himself, as he did his sons and his livestock, Jesus said to her, Everybody who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, all these things that we try to do to bring satisfaction, you're going to have to go back again. You have to go back again. And we keep drawing from the wells of of man's wisdom and entertainment and all. You're going to have to go back again and go back again. But Jesus says, if you come to me, not only you will be satisfied, but it will become a spring out of you. In other words, other people will start to drink off of what God has done in you. This daily pursuit of Jesus changes everything. It's not complicated, but it sure is all of you in. It, It can be hard. daily pursuit I want to just everyone just close your eyes with me and um, actually not with me because I'm going to keep my eyes open <laughs> but um, two questions this morning have you welcomed into your, him into your house is there a spot that Jesus can rest in your life No, seriously, if he looks around in your life, is there a spot he can sit? And do you want him to have that space in your life? Second question, are you listening? Can you hear him? He's not looking for your hard work. He's looking to have a conversation with you. Everyone just kind of put a hand on your heart. God, there's so much going on in every heart in this room. And God, we just right now, we speak to every space of anxiety and we just say, be still in Jesus' name. Every place of confusion, we just say, be still in Jesus' name. All the worry, all the stuff, we just say, be still, we give it to you. And we just cast our lives before you, God. I pray that this would be a space of hearing you sitting at your feet. You have a plan and a purpose and you have a beautiful thing for each person in this room. I pray that stillness. I'm just gonna do this and and on the the count of three, I'm gonna ask that if you haven't made a place for Jesus in your life, you wanna welcome into your life, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. On the count of three, and you want to say, I want to welcome Jesus into my life, like Martha did. You want him to be welcome in your home, of your heart. Count of three. One, two, three. Yeah. Can we all just pray this together? Jesus, Jesus, and one more time, a little louder, louder for everybody. Jesus, I open my heart to you. You're welcome here. Be the leader of my life. Rearrange the furniture. <laughs> Every way in me. I believe that you are God. she rose from the dead let's just say this holy spirit come into my heart we ask god for a filling of your spirit in a fresh way that each one here would sense you god in a profound way second piece the piece of of mary If you're in a space and you're like, man, I got some questions for God. (laughs) Can you just raise your hand? I got some questions. I got some things I need to hear from. Okay. God, I just pray. we, We just agree, God, today that you are the God of all answers and all wisdom. We're agreeing together today, Lord, that we would have a still heart to hear what you have to say to us. In your word through your people and in stillness. God, I pray for anyone in this space, God, that's like, man, I need some healing in my heart. I'm angry, I'm hurting, I'm grieving, I'm confused. God, you know. And God, we just thank you that you are all of those things. And we ask, God, for your healing to come, your transformation to come, that you would speak to each heart what they need to hear. And we say all that in Jesus' name. Everyone said, couple quick thoughts you may be like i'm not sure how to do this whole daily pursuit thing i would i would encourage you to do this old testament read a chapter new testament read a chapter and then there's this beautiful book called proverbs it has 31 chapters how many days in the month 31 sometimes 30 sometimes 28 <laughs> read and take a piece of paper or a journal and say, God, hear all the things I'm processing. Then da, 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 read your Bible and go, God, talk to me. Holy Spirit, talk to me. And then take that same piece of paper and go, and God, here's all the things I'm thankful for. You will find that as you sit at his feet every day, his voice will get a little louder every day.